If you don't read the newspaper, you're uninformed. If you do read it, you're misinformed. What is the long-term effect of too much information? Information, information, I just need some information. I've been dying, I've been dying. Is it lack of education? I've been reading, I've been reading without any transformation. I'm addicted, I'm addicted. Is it overstimulation? Hey. Welcome to the Success Report. The Success Report. Hear ye, hear ye, come one, come all. You are listening to The Sixth Sense Report with Joel Nikoloff and Darnell Samuels. Greetings and salutations, my co-host. It sounds so formal. Man, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to clean up my act, man. I don't want people to think I'm just some roughneck OG out here trying to... What, you think your speech can be judged? Uh, well, yeah, actually, I do think my speech can be judged. Why do you say that? Uh, I don't know. What are we talking about today, bro? <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about free speech on university campuses. I think, uh, okay, well, you tell everybody what I told you when I messaged you about this. Oh, you put me on the spot. This is going to be our most important episode oh yeah my bad totally you didn't set me up you should have told me before we started recording huh well hey man this is freestyle <laughs> friday baby nah, freestyle look, friday man we'll pull back the curtain let you know that we don't plan to <laughs> <laughs> we don't plan very well sometimes no, uh, no. Just, we don't we don't usually plant a, a punchline but, but so, is, is that a bold statement for me to say that this um, is our most important episode i think in today's climate of no platforming what do you mean no platforming Uh, preventing free speech Mm -hmm. um the no platforming idea of like generally people like antifa what's antifa uh, they're they're supposed to be anti-fascist but their methods are by violence so it's kind of contradictory Mm -hmm. because fascists force their will via violence Mm -hmm. so to be anti-violent enforcement Mm-hmm. While committing violence is a little, you know, contradictory. Yeah, oxymoronic, mm-hmm. um, or whatever the right terminology is. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, in that realm, you look at the way speakers like I mean, I think there was a scenario where Ben Shapiro was told he would have to pay six hundred thousand dollars. Oh, right, right. Well, let's not, let's not go to the dessert. There's courses to this meal. Joel's just jumping straight I'm to, to cheesecake. I'm no platforming. So <laughs> the idea that if someone's speaking and you don't like what they have to say, mm-hmm. you're making it impossible for them to speak. Right. So that's what no Yeah, platforming. yeah, yeah. No, it, it's... And so my $600,000 security fee was just an example of how that's acted out. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but so when I say it's our probably our most important episode, I mean like just foundationally, like part of the problem that we're having today is a speech problem, the free speech problem. And then what we see here uh, is a leader stepping in and making a law to open up the lines of communication again. Uh, so for our U.S. listeners, um, they're probably like, okay, so what does that look like and how does that play out? Well, I mean, let's contextualize it a bit in that we don't in canada we don't have a first amendment okay what does that mean so the first amendment is that uh is it first amendment am i getting it right yeah um first amendment being let me just read instead of um 
The First Amendment, this is, I'm just reading Wikipedia. It's easy. Um, the First Amendment to the United States Constitution prevents the Congress from making any law respecting an establishment of religion, prohibiting the free exercise of religion, or abridging the freedom of speech, the freedom of the press, and the right to peacefully assemble, or to petition for a government redress of grievances. So in, in our Dina Warren conversation, we brought up Canada's constitution. That was episode 30? Uh, the one that actually just came out yesterday. Yeah. That doesn't mean much, depending on when this comes out. No, in, the case, <laughs> in case you want to reference it. Yeah. Was it, I think it was 29, but now you're okay. me out. But Dina Warren episode, we were talking about the, the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms and and we actually have uh, the concept of freedom of speech, but it is where the the First Amendment kind of exceeds our freedom of speech. Let's call it clause. Is there the freedom of speech in, or free, First Amendment in the U.S. says prevents making any law. In Canada, we have hate speech laws which technically are a restriction on freedom of speech. And it's based on balancing different ideals within our charters and uh, Charter of Rights These and Freedoms. freedoms. Yeah. So they have the ability to, to restrict our rights or freedoms. But as Dina Warren did a really good, really good job of explaining, that there are some strict legal tests that they must follow. Um, now she also criticized that they've moved away from that a little bit and and move and they're moving more to this like she called it charter creep, but the idea that what are the values of the the you know charter and the that test is a little more subjective. Um, so whole idea, bring it back for the Americans. It's a you literally cannot restrict free speech the government can't make absolute free speech absolute free speech now for people who are concerned about like well that the restrictions on free speech would be under the idea of tort law so tort law is about establishing causation um i mean you can also do it in a criminal sense like if the mob boss orders a hit via his speech he's liable because people are listening to him directly. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's not a free speech exemption. But if you make general statements and you're talking about killing somebody, but you're not directive, you're not pointing, like if you th- said, I mean, think of KKK concept, if you're like, I think black people should die, or I think this minority should be persecuted, that's not the same as saying, kill that guy. Right, okay. so the causation is irrelevant. Is is relevant mm-hmm. for for kind of holding people accountable for their speech. Mm-hmm. Um, but so you have freedom of speech, but your speech could have consequences. You're not exempt from the consequences, and the rigor of law must be applied. Now okay. in Canada, they have passed laws like our hate speech laws that do technically restrict speech. In that, if you qualify as hate speech, 
and and I would say, I mean, the conditions that they have are are pretty rigorous. So it's not as like someone can just simply say, "Well, your your speech is hateful, therefore you because I don't go like to jail." It. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a strict legal test, but the in my opinion, I think the tort law concept is sufficient. We don't need hate speech laws because causation as a result of your speech is sufficient. And, uh, you know, why is this a fundamental issue or why is this an important conversation to have? Because restricting free speech has, in history, has some very eerie consequences. Mm -hmm. And although this is only a small, maybe deemed reasonable restriction, the fact that you allow any restrictions is, in my opinion, a trajectory that I don't like and a trajectory that I would argue is dangerous. Okay, well, based on the changes that, that that's happening now, uh, it's pretty interesting. So we'll, we'll look at the aspects, the changes that have been made. Mm -hmm. Uh, to the free speeches on campus. So uh, Calgary lawyer John Carpe uh, is a president of the Justice Center of Constitutional Freedoms, uh, which in July in 2018 submitted a proposal to the Ontario government for legislation to protect campus free speech. So Premier Doug Ford and uh, Marilee Fullerton, uh, the Minister of Training, Colleges and Universities, uh, they're making history by doing this uh, you know, uh, the other provinces haven't stepped out to do this. Uh, so it's just pretty interesting to see how this will all um, unfold. So the Ontario government announced late last month that taxpayer-funded colleges and universities must create and enforce policies to protect free speech on campuses. So these are the the principles that are being applied to the situation. So, so Ontario is required is requiring the universities incorporate into their own policies the universe the University of Chicago statement and principles of free expression. So universities must now state expressly in their own policies that they are a place for open discussion and free inquiry and that they have no obligation to shield the students from ideas or opinions that students disagree with or find offensive. Now, the next point is that the government will now require universities to discipline students uh, who obstruct or interfere with the freedom of others to express their views. So each Ontario university must also prepare an annual report on its own progress in complying with its free speech policy and submit it to be higher to the Higher Education Quality Council of Ontario, H-E-Q-C-O. The government has declared that the university's failure to introduce and comply with free speech policies may result in funding cuts proportional to the severity of noncompliance. And then finally, uh, that hate speech, uh, via, so hate speech that violates Canadian law will not be allowed. So it kind of goes back to what you were saying in regards to, yes, there's free speech, but... The exception being um, hate speech laws are still, uh, let's say, a caveat. Okay, so define, define hate speech. Okay, so there's, 
uh, I think the best option we have rather than going directly to the law because that can be very boring. Yeah. There's uh, an article from Globe and Mail called Canada's Law on Hate Speech is the Embodiment of Compromise. So you could be put in jail for hate speech, but before you condemn the prospect of jail for speaking your mind, consider the built-in limits to the hate speech law. There are seven of them. Together, they pour a big pail of cold water on any overzealous prosecutor intent on duct-taping your mouth. So, obviously, that's commentary from the author of this article. So here are the, set, the conditions that must all be met before a, a prosecutor could try to um, claim or, or put forward a hate speech case against you. Hate speech must be the most severe of the genre. The hate speech must be targeted to an identifiable group. It must be public. It must be deliberate, not careless. Five, excluded from hate speech are good faith interpretations of religious doctrine, discussion of issues of public interest, and literacy, literary devices such as sarcasm and irony. The statement, this six. Is number six, the statement must be hateful when considered in their social and historical context. And number seven, no prosecution can proceed without approval of the attorney general, which introduces political accountability because the attorney general is a cabinet minister. So, I mean, when I read this, I was, I definitely kind of agree with, you know, the idea of it pours a, a big pail of cold water, just in the sense that it's not simple. It's not mm -hmm. easy to, to, to use hate speech, you know, claims mm -hmm. uh, as a crime. But again, I go back, let's contrast that with freedom of speech and the tort law concept. Am I causing somebody harm? Well, if my speech causes someone harm, okay, so not tort law, but criminal law, does it qualify, does my speech qualify as harassment? Okay, I don't need hate speech laws to, to, to be committing harassment. And so when I look at all these you know, as much as I look at these qualifiers, I still think freedom of speech and we persecute harassment. Freedom of speech, we persecute or, you know, we punish the mob boss who orders a hit or freedom of speech and we apply tort law, meaning if you cause someone's property damage, mm -hmm. you're reliable. If you say, go break into that store and people, you know, there's proof of causation under the tort law rigor you're liable. You know, these are all things that I'm still a free speech absolutist, but I already see law covering, in my opinion, all of the concerns we would have with someone speaking. Um, and I, I would say, again, going back to this hate speech, it's a restriction on free speech that I would deem unnecessary. Okay. So what's, what's the difference between free speech and hate speech? Is it a matter of like subjectivity? Uh, I don't like what you're saying. Well, and I think that's part of the problem. How do you define hate? Right? So, okay, they've used a couple things. It has to be public. Mm -hmm. um, has to be intentional. I, they use the word deliberate, but intentional. Mm -hmm. 
Um, it has to be severe, most severe of the genres. Of, I don't know. It's a bit of that sounds weird. relative to me. Yeah, there's subjectivity to that. Mm-hmm. Um, an identifiable group. Okay, so does hate speech not qualify if you're speaking to one individual? Mm-hmm. If you're speaking to a identifiable group, my question then is, where's the that's damage? everybody though? No, but where's the damage? Right, because I'm going back to the tort law concept. Uh-huh. Right, with tort law, if I'm going to persecute speech. I have to identify damage. If I make an identifiable group, it's a lot harder to say that I caused damage to a group than it is to say I caused damage to an individual. Right. Right. If if I yeah. ran into a movie yeah. theater and yelled fire when there's no fire and someone gets trampled, mm-hmm. I can identify the damage to that individual. Mm-hmm. But I can't identify damage to the group as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, because a whole bunch of people within that group in the movie mm-hmm. theater are not harm right but you know what this looks like this looks like it's going to be very difficult to execute for the schools that have to create the policies on their own especially you know you know you know you know every school has their particular political leaning or ideological leaning so even like yes they're going to try their best to incorporate but even now we're sitting here we're looking at okay well what does that look like as a policy and and, and putting it through because when i look at free speech versus hate speech yeah, I think it does come. It does become a matter of subjectivity, and I think it's a matter of putting the onus on the listener to um, be able to show a uh, measure of grace, or like uh, Dr. Joseph Smith said when he was on the show, emotional IQ. So having um, a, a, a strong emotional IQ is being aware of yourself and how your words come across, and also putting yourself in the shoes and trying to understand where um, um, the person you're communicating with is coming from. And I would add, understanding your emotions in light of the other person's perspective. Mm-hmm. Right. 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 So like, even like, like when I, when you, when you think about like, you know, free speech and, you know, people having anxieties about talking to people whose ideas you don't agree with, you have a problem. If that's your fear, is that what you mean? Yeah. Well, if it, like, like, yeah, like, not your fear, but if if that's your, you know, trigger. Like, I'm not saying you have a problem, like you're a loser, but you have, like, you have a psychological problem you need to take care of. You know, you can't be putting yourself in, um, bringing harm to your body if, if contrary ideas arise, depression, anxiety in you. You know, like that's a real thing. Cause even since we started this podcast, like I've been kind of mindful to be like, okay, you know what? Yeah, you know, I'm not even going to talk to this guy because I'm not trying to ruin their health. Yeah, they can't handle the conversation. And right. So it's funny. I'm going to reference Jordan Peterson, which some people might like, might not. Mm-hmm. He, when he references his work as a clinical psychologist, mm-hmm. how do you treat someone or how do you help someone who gets uncomfortable in given certain scenarios? Mm-hmm. You incrementally, expose them to those scenarios to get them comfortable that makes sense right and so i mean if you disagree with that i mean uh, you gotta you know go do some studying because almost all people in that field will say that's how you make you know someone who has anxiety about being in large groups of people right that's something that we would all agree Mm. that should you know Mm. you probably want to work through that how do you do that? Well, you slowly increase the amount of time they spend it mm-hmm. with large people, the slowly increase the size of those groups, mm-hmm. getting them to work through that anxiety, right. you know, communication, talk through it, all these yeah. things that my point being, 
that you really, when you say you have a problem, I would say you have something you need to work through. Mm -hmm. Don't, I, I think if you just pretend like, oh, I, that just means I should avoid ideas I don't like. Or, the, that's problem, actually, or the problems with you. Yeah, or the problems with the idea. Right. You should take ownership. Wait, if I can't wrestle, and this was, again, going back to Joseph Smith conversation. You know, he's teaching these kids to wrestle with context that they're uncomfortable with because mm -hmm. they haven't been taught that skill. Yeah. Uh, it's funny. Uh, I was asking, you know, asking around about the opinion on the free speech and people were really concerned with the violent backlash and people, um, you know, re responding with, with, with violence. And the sentiment was that those people were justified. Like, well, you know, you got to be careful of free speech because, you know, people are going to wild out. Um, but I was like, well, no, that's a reflection of your maturity. Um, when you're responding vi um, violently to a person's ideas, because before the, the problem, the problem was with the person's ideas, not the person who was responding violently. So that's something that people have to kind of reorient our thinking, because if you really look at the aspect of when, you know, people were being guarded from ideas. Yeah, it softened. Yeah, it softened up a lot of people. Um, particular a particular generation, and you and you see it like ideal ideologically that yeah now we're that's why we're in the situation we are in today because you're not entertaining, you're being protected. You you know you have safe spaces. Um, there's microaggression because you know uh, the person asks you if that's your real hair. Now you know you're, so you're having you an anxiety attack. You know what I'm saying? Like you know, yeah, man, it, it's crazy. But now that we're opening the doors. It, to free speech again i think like you said for a person's own for your own personal health you know yeah slowly and, and slow increments uh really bring in uh opposing ideas uh that uh that that'll help you get used to the discussion uh well and i think you know there's an article i'm going to read the headline of and i'm mm -hmm. not going to go into the article but this issue actually is part like i think part of the the cause of why we want to talk about this is also the reason why we made this podcast in that people, so many people live in an echo chamber mm -hmm. of like, I'm only going to be around ideas that I agree with. Yeah. I'm only going to listen to things that I agree with. Mm -hmm. And that's, that is actually detrimental to our society as a whole, right? So if the left only listens to people on the left and the right only listens to people on the right, Mm -hmm. And me and you are probably mm -hmm. not on either one of those, but you're, you're not actually creating an opportunity for compromise because you end up saying they're evil, we're good. And both sides just look at the other side as having no validity to their mm -hmm. position, being motivated for the, you know, immoral. While, you know, you look at historically, how do people classify the motivations of conservatives versus liberals? Mm -hmm. And they're actually competing motivations in that, mm -hmm. you know, the liberals might be about, well, say classic liberals might be a little bit more about personal accountability and progressive things like taking care of your community by mm -hmm. government versus the conservatives. Historically, we're about smaller government and different, you know, these, th these ideas are competing and, and when they're trying to reach a, a resolution, honestly, we actually have productive decisions being right. made. So yeah. then, so then, what would you say in regards to uh, what do you see the long-term consequences of this policy? So 
this headline from Global Mail said, uh, it's an opinion piece, but exposure to different points of view is at the core of higher learning. Bang, so, bang. I like that. So I think it's necessary. Um, there's an opinion. There's another article. Um, someone says that uh, the, the, the policy is um, not going far enough. I'm not saying I, I agree with that. Um, but that's, it's just that some people will say that, you know, this free speech thing, and I'm, mm -hmm. my answer would be, well, yeah, we need to redefine hate speech because my, I think there's a, and I think you touched on it briefly. There's a fear that if bad ideas or, or ideas we disagree with are listened to, people will adopt them. Mm -hmm. My answer to that is if it's a bad idea, good ideas will win out. Mm -hmm. So if you believe an idea, but you can't argue it, how do you know it's a good idea? If, if it doesn't stand up to criticism, how do you know it's actually a good idea? Are you judging that idea based on the motivations? Mm -hmm. So if I have a, create a law that's motivated to help poor people, sounds great. But if the effect of that law is actually making higher inequality, i.e. people that are poor are worse off, then that's not a good idea. That's a bad idea. Mm -hmm. Although it's motivated well, the outcome doesn't achieve the motivation. And so if you have good ideas, they're both going to be effective as well as good motivations. Mm -hmm. Right. No, that's a good point. Uh, so what would you want to leave the listener with to take away from this? I think more than anything, it's understanding the necessity of free speech. Um, I think Dave Rubin says this quote where he's like, I give people enough rope to hang themselves. Right. So bad ideas, let, you know, if you think what happened in Charleston and the, the KKK thing from a year ago is a problem in the US, I would say how small of a minority, you know, they tried to do another protest this year, I think on the anniversary and like a hundred people showed up. I would say that's reflection of how small the amount of people that believe these bad ideas mm -hmm. and, and trying to squash bad ideas from existence by preventing them from speaking is not the answer. Mm -hmm. If anything, you're pushing these bad ideas underground and you're not allowing society to, to shine the light on how bad of that idea is. Mm -hmm. And so for me, freedom of speech from, you know, for students, it's, are you developing your cognitive skills by wrestling with ideas? And you need freedom of speech to go, okay, I've been told this idea, whether it's something like, you know, racist mm -hmm. ideas for KKK, mm -hmm. putting it out there and then going like, is this even right? Mm -hmm. You know, how are you going to convince uh, a member of the KKK that the white race is not superior? Mm -hmm. Well, by presenting him with facts that he's just dead wrong. Mm -hmm. or, or, or changing his mind. Well, how do you change his mind? Right. By conversation, by right. freedom of speech, right. by letting, you have to first figure out that he has these bad ideas. Mm -hmm. And if he can't speak them, you don't know. And even the fact that he's willing to interact with you. Yeah. 
I mean, there's a, was it the Black Klansman? Mm-hmm. That, that movie that came out? Mm-hmm. Like, isn't that, you know, there's a bit of, yeah, there was undercover side of it, mm-hmm. but there's also engaging with them. They weren't arresting them for the things they said. They were trying to punish bad behavior mm-hmm. and, and violating other people's rights. Mm-hmm. So uh, for me, it's about leaving the listener with the idea that freedom of speech is necessary to move forward. Bad ideas will always lose out to good ideas in the long run. Okay, well, it's, <laughs> it's hard for me to top that. Uh, um, yeah, that 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 is well said, uh, but I'm going to top it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I think from from another perspective to add the intersectionality that comes with uh, identity politics and the fear people have from hearing opposing views. Now, with that said. As as Christians, it's one of those things where, you know, faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing, right? And through dialogue. So for Christians, this is good news. But Christians come in all shapes and sizes, whether you're black, white, um, male, female, or whatever. Um, so for the Christian, you're thinking, okay, well, yes, free speech is good for us because we get to share our faith. But not just not just dealing with salvation but looking at okay well left or right liberal or conservative and really broadening your intellect as a believer not just on uh believe in jesus or perish but more like okay well um chicago school austrian school right conservative yeah conservative or liberal um and really become smarter so this is this i think i think this i foresee uh christians becoming a lot smarter and a lot more diverse in not just theology um but in every um academic discipline because you know part of it is like you know for the black christian you're like oh i'm i want to proclaim the gospel but i don't want to hear uh neo-nazi rhetoric I don't want to hear you don't have to. white people uh, speaking up again. But, you know, it, it's one of those things. But, yeah, but I'm like, but the the Christian worldview is inherently offensive. Like, everything we believe mm-hmm. is countercultural and offensive. You know yeah. what I mean? So, so it's yeah. contradictory because you're like, okay, I, I, I want to tell people about Jesus, but I don't want to hear criticism against the black community. You see what I'm saying? It's contradictory. Yeah, yeah. You can't, it's, it's called, yeah, you, you can't have one and have, you can't have your cake and eat it too. So at this point, you're kind of forced to say, okay, well, look, it looks like I'm going to have to really uh, rethink my stances on a lot of these things. And, and basically, everybody's going to be forced to hear everybody out. Muslims are going to be forced to hear Christians out. Um, uh, gays are going to be forced to hear heterosexuals out. Um, you know what I mean? So blacks are going to be forced to hear whites out. Mm-hmm. And, and if one side is putting untrue ideas forward, that's going to, by, by putting those ideas in the public mm-hmm. sphere, mm-hmm. if we're pursuing truth, mm-hmm. objective truth, mm-hmm. objective fact, those bad ideas are going to fall to the wayside. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we can, you know, I don't want to, I don't want what I'm about to say to be misinterpreted, but if we determined, you know, like, let's look at the, the IQ stuff. There's some 
stuff out there that's saying some races have higher IQs than others. Mm-hmm. Oh, Stefan Molino. Well, Stefan Molino oh, right. talks about it, but there's I think Charles Murray talks about it. Mm-hmm. There's people I've read some stuff that's criticizing it, and I think there's valid concerns around the conclusions that let's assume that that statistically speaking the iq outcomes vary by race Mm -hmm. and and there's nothing we inherently could do to change that so if if that's true well that right there joel you said an example of like an idea that most people don't even want to talk about well but and this is the point that i'm trying to get at was like let's assume that's true okay I'm not saying it is. I'm not saying it isn't. If it is true, does that mean we should treat races differently? Absolutely not. But, and I think that's, in my opinion, when I read the criticisms of the people talking about IQ disparities by race, I almost feel like that's the fear of where they think it's going to go. Mm-hmm. That, oh, because this race is dumber than that race, we should treat them differently. Mm-hmm. Or there's this, Somehow IQ is the only relevant criteria to determine one race is superior to another. Because I could turn around and say, well, you might have a disparity in emotional intelligence or a disparity in emotion EQ, which is similar, by race. And so if I'm talking about success factors, high IQ and low EQ doesn't actually mean you're going to be successful. So what I'm trying to get at is this disparity of outcome doesn't indicate superiority i you know biblical theology we're all the same under the law we're all equal before god there's no difference you know whether you're a child or an adult whether you're a man or a woman whether you do this sin or that sin it doesn't there's no difference uh-huh. you're equal what's the deal with all these racist people all sinners all created equal and so <laughs> you know my point is that you know, with this idea, if if we're only attacking the idea because of the fear of where we think some people will use that idea, mm-hmm. right? So why why am I going? Why did I want to use this IQ thing? Because I think that we could criticize conclusions from that statistical data. You could challenge the statistical data. That's perfectly fine. If the data's wrong, cool, great, mm-hmm. good. To, that's let's flush that out. Even if the data is true, it doesn't mean that all conclusions people base that on that data are good for society or valid. And I think sometimes, from what I've been reading, and a straight up listener of the show sent me to some, you know, some of that content, being like, "Hey, what do you think about this?" And and my response was, "I was disappointed that they never addressed the data, even acknowledging, yeah, you know what, statistically speaking." These are true outcomes. Right, but, the, but post-secondary is the place where you're supposed to be learning how to interact with opposing views. So, I, 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 yeah, so the, the thing I'm, I'm just foreseeing is that people will become a lot smarter. Like everybody across the board, everybody's going to become a lot smarter because you're going to be forced to Well, I think it's going to improve the dialogue. Oh, yeah. Too. Like the political too. discourse right now, I think, is so polarized because we're not uh, exposed to uh, viewpoints on the other side. Right, right. So I, actually, I'm, I'm pretty excited to see how, how this unfolds. Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, I think it's a step in the right direction mm-hmm. for, for Canada. 
Um, right. And hopefully, uh, hopefully, as an example for everybody else uh, going forward. Um, yeah, I mean, Chicago and other, and other provinces. Obviously, the the university that that they leveraged their principles, mm-hmm. they've adopted it, but mm-hmm. it's not been adopted across America. Yeah, well, everybody's gonna see. So it's kind of cool to see that we're kind of leading the way in something positive. Uh, yeah, in something positive. So uh, for the listeners, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, use your free speech. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's 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 better to join us. Uh, I'm, you know, we're, we're easily accessed on Twitter. So, you know, you can hit us up. I'm, you know, do good at underscore Darnell, D-O-G-U-D-D-A underscore Darnell. Um, so like that, I, to me, like my, my, wep- my weapon of choice is Twitter. Um, yeah. And, and you, I mean, reach out to me, Twitter. Uh, Facebook. Yeah, Facebook, Facebook too. Yeah, I mean, Darnell Joel Nikoloff, Twitter is TJoelN39. You know, as I've said, my weapon of choice is coffee um, because it's so much easier to really understand where the other person is you know whether it's their mannerisms and all these things and actually hashing through ideas like you know I mean, as as a listener of the show i i'm i want to i want to talk to them you know i want to understand you know if you're hardcore on the other side of the things we're saying you know i've had conversations with people for example about the sex and sex ed agenda like just okay let me understand you you i want you to understand me we're not on polar opposites as much as the the media portrays so all at us uh, at six cents report on twitter uh darnell samuels on facebook joel nicola on facebook yeah we'd love to hear from you guys uh, this is going to be something we're going to keep an eye on going forward but you heard me does that make sense Madden and Mitchell Media.